Welcome to Monkey Off the Backlog, the podcast where we exercise our pop culture demons by tackling our media to-do lists one week at a time. I'm your host, Andy, and with me are my co-hosts, Dr. Tessa. Hello. And Sam, comma, PhD. Hello. <laughs> this week, Tessa throws away her ice cream cone and runs away. Sam runs with the dinosaurs. And Andy talks ska with Sonic the Hedgehog. All right, this week we are doing Miss That Monkey, a phrase I totally did not steal from the flop house about Miss That Movie, and all about the modern monkeys that we have missed. The modern monkeys we want to talk about, which are monkeys from this year. And I believe we are opening with segment one, and this is uh, a movie called Fire Island, and that is about the Fire Festival. Let's talk about the Fire Festival. You know, I kept spelling this F-Y-R-E at first because, not because I thought it was about, not because I thought it was about the fire Festival, but because, like, in my mind, if there's an island and a fire is before it, it's spelled that way. So, no idea why it's not spelled that way. It's F-I-R-E. This was a film that came out on June 3rd of this year. We were actually traveling when this film came out. And I know what you're thinking. This film was available on streaming immediately. We just didn't get to it. We just had too it, much stuff going on. Movies have been coming to streaming first for so long now that we are continuing to adapt our theater behavior where we just don't have time to make it to the theater. Now we don't even have time to make it to our TV screen. <laughs> so exactly. cinema's not dead. But yeah, so that's why I missed this this year. But when it came out, I immediately saw tons of stuff about it on Twitter. I saw... Lots of stuff about it in our Discord chats. People loved this movie. So I thought for this episode, this would be a good movie to come back to since it was definitely one that I was wanting to watch. So thanks, Andy, for giving me an excuse to watch this movie. Mm. All right. Now, I know that this movie is directed by Andrew Ahn, who is one of my top five ass in Hollywood. Before you said that earlier, before we started recording, I knew nothing about this. So please, Andy, why is Andrew on an asshole? Andrew on is an for one and one reason only. In 2011, he directed, edited, and produced a short film entitled Andy. I rest my case. Oh, yeah, I see that now. Okay, and that makes him an asshole to you? 100%. All right. That and making me cry <laughs> through his movies, Spa Night and Driveways. But I've never seen anything by Andrew on before I watched this film. So I kind of want to go back and watch those two films now. Spa, Spa Night is, is, is a Tessa movie. That's all I will say. Yay, I love because I'm Tessa. But yeah, <laughs> this movie was directed by Andrew on. It was written and it stars Joel Kim Booster, who I definitely want to talk about. But this is a gay adaptation of Pride and Prejudice that is set. In the modern day, in the, the 2020s, I guess. Is that what we're calling this decade? I'm not sure. but the, Just the 20s? The 20s. But basically the summary is every year Noah and his close, friend ha close friends, and his close friends, Howie, Luke, Keegan, and Max, embark on a week-long vacation to Fire Island. Noah wants to get Howie a vacation romance and thinks he's found the perfect guy for it in Charlie, a rich doctor. But he has to deal with Charlie's snobby best friend, Will. So if you know anything about Pride and Prejudice, this is a very familiar setup. 
I have to say that I might think this is the best modern adaptation of a Jane Austen property since Clueless. I feel like that might be a hot take. I don't know. I think this compares favorably to Clueless, actually. I would love to see this as a double feature. How many modern adaptations have been made since Clueless? Well, I mean, I know that the most recent Persuasion is set in the time period, but from everything I've heard about it, it is a modern adaptation. <laughs> well, yeah, but that's like, that's like saying Emma's a modern adaptation, Fair. right? I'm just saying this is a very good movie. Emma, I don't, I, like, I want to talk about it, but I have really no notes on this movie. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, I, I really like that the director is gay, the writer and the star are gay. I think most, if not all, of the actors are actually gay. Um, I, Joel Kim Booster has said in his stand-up that he knew he was gay before he knew he was Asian. And On has made a short film named Dull, not Andy, Dull, to come out to his parents. So these are both people who have been making queer and Asian-centric cinema for a long time. Uh, by the way, Tessa is definitely a proponent of making all art queer. Oh, yes. 100%. So I, this, is, this should come as a surprise to no one. I mean, and I guess Steven Spielberg can still make movies, I guess. I guess. Right? I, There'll be exceptions. I want more queer ap- adaptations of a lot of classic literature. Like, bring me my queer Dickens. Bring me my queer <laughs> Mary Shelley. Oh, wait, that's already queer. Bring me my queer, queer Bronte queer the Dickens out of you. That's all I heard. <laughs> just, just please don't bring me a queer Oedipus Rex. Well. Uh, I don't know. I I'm sure might, that's somebody's king. Yeah. But yeah, I this has a really good cast as well. Bowen Yang, who has been real, he's really the breakout star of this film. Saturday Night Live. Bowen Yang is too good for Saturday Night Live. I, that is a very cold take. I think people know that Bowen Yang is is very good, but he plays a character Howie, who is based on Jane Bennett, and Conrad Ricamora plays Will, uh, based on Darcy. James Scully plays Charlie, based on Charles Bingley. Margaret Cho, who is really the the named woman of this film. The token woman the of token the film. The token woman. The token lesbian. Uh, plays Aaron, who is like a composite of Mr. and Mrs. Bingley. And I have to say, or sorry, uh, she's a composite of Mr. and Mrs. Bennett. And it works. Like, I didn't know you could combine those two characters together and that it would make sense. But it does. Like, she manages to be neurotic and nervy, but also really dryly funny at the same time. Mr. Bennett, when I was reading Pride and Prejudice in high school, Mr. Bennett made the entire book for me because holy crap, was that was he funny? Hol- horrible father, but hilarious. Um, yeah, and, and sometimes I forget Margaret Cho exists. Like, I just don't think about her that often. But then a film like this comes along and reminds me how great she is. Like, she is a great part of this film. Matt Rogers plays Luke, who's based on Lydia Bennett. He's like the only white person in this besides uh, James Scully. Uh, Tomas Matos is Keegan based on Kitty Bennett. And Torian Miller is Max based on Mary Bennett. I love all these updates of the Bennetts as queer people. I feel like Matt Rogers plays a very silly version of Lydia Bennett. But it's also, it actually gets rid of some of the problems of the original source material when it comes to Lydia. So I 
I really, really just appreciated not only the updates for these characters, but the fact that they actually are pretty true to the original types. Like Lydia and Kitty or Luke and Keegan are silly and Max is like serious and can't like get out of his own way. Like it's all very good stuff. So yeah, this is good stuff. Um, I think there was uh I, I don't know, like like you're 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 telling me that this is Pride and Prejudice. It is. I really don't remember much about Pride and Prejudice except for the line that Mr. Bennett says where he's like, Hey, my dear, maybe you'll die before I will, okay? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's actually pretty faithful. The story beats are about the same as the original. Uh, I do like this version of Darcy because he does come across as an asshole, but he has some truly silly moments as well. I You mentioned in the beginning the ice cream cone thing hit. The, the joke about him and ice cream cones is one of my favorite things about the entire film. And there's this scene where he sees Noah and, like, it's after the, like, refused proposal scene. It's not really a proposal in this film, but it's that's the plot beat we're going with. And he is eating an ice cream cone, and when he sees Noah, he throws it away and starts running away. And it is, like, one of the funniest things I've seen in a comedy for a long time. Hmm. The when Whenever, like, a, an actor gets the physical humor down like that, it's just so refreshing. Physical humor is hard to do. People don't realize that. You actually have to, you have to, I think, be talented at it, but I think it's a, something you practice as well. I do, the one thing that I will say is that this film had a backlash on white feminist Twitter because somebody tweeted that it didn't pass the Bechdel test, which is a tweet that went viral which just goes to show that the internet internet has now made the Bechdel test mean nothing. It's completely meaningless now because the whole point of the Bechdel test is, are there women who have like depth in this film, but it is not the be all end all test for whether a film is feminist or not. And obviously a film starring mostly gay or queer men. Like that is just as, revolutionary as like a film that stars all women so i don't i I for one want to know what more this white women think about gay men i i (laughs) want to know and and i know what you're thinking what about white trans women well we don't think about anybody but ourselves so no problem there so yeah i i want to know more what they think i i think their opinions are valid who they vote for is valid. Everything's great. Keep I, going. I do want to hear, like, legitimately, I do want to hear from some cis gay men what they thought of this film because I don't think any of us really fall into that category in this group of people. Uh, so I think it would be interesting to hear hear more about this. Booster's really good in it, too. Like, I, I usually make fun of people who write their own scripts and star in their own movies, but this is clearly an idea that he had that he wanted to fully actualize and... It works. It works so well. Okay, so Tessa, your notes just say in all caps, more queer adaptations. I, I think we've already covered that, uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about it in the next segment. More queer adaptations. People, there Wait, is a market for it. Is Jurassic World the next segment? I did not know that was a queer adaptation. <laughs> I mean, they all Hold are on. female, right? <laughs> no, no, no. They're asexual. That's, oh, that's different. Right. They're ace. No, no, no. They repro- they reproduce asexually. Uh, well, it's still queer. They're not. We're <laughs> <laughs> dinosaurs, people. What if? What if? 
what if the next Jurassic World movie, and I know what you're thinking, please don't make another Jurassic World movie, and, and hold on, see if you still think that in a minute. What if the next Jurassic Park Island movie is the sequel to Fire Island? Uh, and we're talking about the festival, not the... Fire Island actually failed because it's, everyone was eaten by dinosaurs. It's it's actually so so Fire Island two Jurassic World Dominion The Festival is a movie that's set on Fire Island. <laughs> and and it but it is in the world of Jurassic World. The so, so dinosaurs have come to the Fire Island the very first year that a giant music festival is being planned. It does not go well. I'd watch it. That's my pitch. I would watch it. There you go. Yeah. It will star Jeff Goldblum because all of those three things should have Jeff Goldblum in them. All, All three of those movies. Very queer, very dinosaur, very disaster at a music festival. This summer, there will be panic at the disco. And he's actually the game master from Thor Ragnarok. So it all, right? like, it all makes it sense. All I'm works. telling you, this movie writes itself. It all works. You're welcome, Hulu. Stop raising prices. <laughs> so uh, is there anything else that you have to say, Tessa or Sam? Uh, I mean, I'll just say that this is a really... It's a good adaptation, but it has a lot of things to say about queerness. It has a lot of things to say about Asian queerness specifically, and a lot to say about chosen family. And I can't relate to stories about chosen family. Like Crazy Rich Asians, another movie that coincidentally has a lot of Asian people in it. Right? I did make that connection while I, watching yeah, it. I did I think mean, about Crazy Rich Asians. This movie reminded me of Crazy Rich Asians. It did. Um, and, it, and it was about that. Um, there are fi- found family issues in Crazy Rich Asians, weirdly. Um, well, not weirdly. It's just not what you would expect that to be about. Which, by the way, I believe we're due a sequel to that movie, too. The thing about Bo and Yang on Saturday Night Live is all he's allowed to do is the catty queer dude. I was very surprised that that was not his character in this movie because SNL has trained me to think that's all he does, which clearly isn't. And that's why SNL is not good enough for him. Sorry, he was in a podcast discussing Crazy Rich Asians. That's what I was thinking about. I see, sure. Hmm. (laughs) You know, B.D. Wong's character from Jurassic Park could come in and be Crazy Rich Asian. Like, it all just works. It all works, people. It is the Crazy Rich Asians cinematic universe. <laughs> so, recommendation. Yay, nay. Oh, yay. If you like funny movies, if you like Jane Austen adaptations, if you like Clueless, if you like queer movies, like if you like comedy, this is a movie for you. Sam, you, you saw this movie. Do you have a recommendation? <laughs> sure. Watch it. Uh, all right. So I, I really quickly, I, I, I asked on the Discord server. I asked for people to give me their, um, their, their, their modern, you know, upcoming this year. What, what is, what is everybody looking forward to? 
There's there's a, a fantasy sci-fi movie called The Fablemans coming out about the fable characters from uh, Aesop's Fables coming to life. Um, what 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 are everybody else looking forward to this year? You know what 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 are the, I, what are the big releases? I I can I can handle this one. I oh, know the know. movie that we are all looking forward to more than any other movie this year. Jeepers Creepers Reborn. You know it. No, scarier. Don't worry, darling. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because that was uh that was on I believe uh, Ryan's list. Um, I, but that was before the uh, <laughs> the stuff hit. I feel like if this movie is as half as interesting as the drama surrounding it, which first of all it won't be, I don't think that the 20th century was half as interesting. Like just the whole century, the whole was century. half as interesting as what's happened with Don't Worry, Darling. But if it's half as interesting, it should be a good movie. It won't be, but it should be. I'm 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 gonna go see it out of Chris Pine solidarity. Who knew? By the way, by the way, I think it's actually a really good time to reevaluate the Chris Power rankings. As I mentioned uh, a while back, I, I just am really surprised. Chris Pine was at the dead last of my Chris Power rankings for quite a long time, and he just managed to rocket all the way up to the first position. Captain well, Kirk style. Out of the way, losered everybody. I mean, Did you ever see Angie Trebekah, where he plays a no. character who's totally not based on Hannibal Lecter, that's and great. is, and, and Chris Pine is just having the most fun he has ever had. Well, see, that's the thing. Like, I think we always knew that Chris Pine was a gamer, but there was really nothing to like put him above the others. And now that, now that you know, Dad Chris is like, you know, emotionally sopping his movies, so there's no longer much of a Oh, did I just hot take that movie? We 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 started with like a queer roo or a queer adjacent roo or a faux queer roo and like dip some soppy fatherhood in it. Still number 2 though. But that's only because because America's ass hasn't come back for a while. I'm sure he'll be back in the he ranking was just in soon. The gray man. Followed by every other Chris before. Chris followed Pratt. by System Error hasn't done anything good since then. Johnny Karate. <laughs> uh. Oh God! Looking at, <laughs> I'll, I will move to what I am looking forward to. What, what I, Chris movie are you looking forward to? I had to? to like scroll up to my D three list that I was sending Elise earlier about like what out of the D three stuff that got released yesterday I was interested in. Oh God, Thunderbolts is such a snooze fest. I, I'm interested, but I'd have to see more to be convinced on that. But I am really excited for Tales of the Jedi. I'm very excited about Andor. I'm very excited about Percy Jackson and the Olympians. That looks really good. And I'm also really excited about Willow. Willow was a staple film in my house growing up. Like, it's one of the first films I remember seeing, actually. And I was really scared by the intro of it. Like, that's how young I was. But I watching that trailer just, like, brought up so many, like, nostalgic feelings for me, which I understand is not always the best it's not always the best evaluator of, of new content, but it actually looks really good. And I also think that he deserves justice, right? Like he, he's not really been, he's not had the, the 
success that other actors from that film have had, probably because of ableism. And it'll be really nice to see him like be in that role again and do stuff with it and be really cool. I mean, it just looks really cool. I'm excited. Mm. Will there be a scene in this new Willow series in which the person in charge of this magical land, who is now Val Kilmer, like taps out a message about how much he loves Willow? I mean, it is sad that Val Kilmer can't be in this film. <laughs> I mean, uh, it is. It is. But I just feel like we need that that what we had in Maverick. I feel like we deserve to see it in Willow as well. Yeah, but Warwick Davis, I'm always going to be a fan. And I, I'm really happy they also got Joanne Wally back. Well, even if they couldn't get Val Kilmer. Okay. Well, um, I, for one, am looking forward to, first of all, uh, see how they run, which we'll talk about later. It's uh, a, uh, a Knives Out-esque Adventure with Sam Rockwell and uh Well speaking of Knives uh, Out, yeah, that, that actually yeah, that reminds me. I'm I'm really looking forward to after we saw Get Back, right? Which was an in-depth documentary by Peter Jackson about the process of the Let It Be album. Really looking forward to the sequel, Glass Onion, which is I understand it, a very in-depth documentary about the making of the White Album. <laughs> That is starring, for some reason, Daniel Craig. I don't really understand, but I don't need to. Hmm. Um, how about bros? Are either of you two looking forward to bros? I Describe this to me again. It sounds familiar, but I can't like place oh, it. This is the uh, Billy Eichner movie. Oh, yes, oh, yes. Yeah, we yeah. want to see yes. that. Yes, the, the, this was, this was the, the more gay movie, right? This is the, the gay studio rom-com that actually has money behind it and all the um all the gay actors are playing straight people. Yeah, I'm actually very excited about that. We saw the trailer in front of what's the last film we I went to go see. Re- no, it's I couldn't remember. I was trying to think of which one it was. But yeah, I'd never heard of it. Saw the trailer, immediately sold. The yeah. It might have been Thor. It might have been Thor. Might have been Thor. The invitation which looks like a weird Dracula retelling, kind of. Like, it's uh, it's a horror film, and it's about vampires, but it's about this woman who's, like, looking... Like, she does the 23 and Me type of thing, and she's, like, looking for her family, and she gets invited to, like, this whole side of the family she didn't know about in England, but it turns out that maybe they're vampires. It looks really good. I'm very excited about that. Um. I am also really, really, really excited for the Banshees of Inisharan. Really? Oh, why would I not be? What, what What about that movie appeals to you? Uh, well, first of all, Martin McDonough. You know, just instantly, uh, after In Bruges and Seven Psychopaths, great. Had, still haven't seen three billboards. Don't really care to, but. Teaming back up with Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson, like one hundred percent. The the writing, I I have uh, faith in it's going to be good. The trailer was great. The early reviews are great. I am looking forward to it. All right. I mean, I wasn't sure I'd seen like the trailer for it, but I'm not. I I don't know. It wasn't like something that jumped out at me. But oh, I wow. I watch uh, it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um. I don't know. Have you seen In Bruges? 
I yes, I have. I love that movie. Okay. Right. I'm also looking forward to a movie called Slumberland. I haven't heard that one. Uh, so Slumberland is a movie based on Little Nemo in Slumberland. Which see, Sam's nodding. Sam Sam knows Little Nemo in Slumberland, the best Nintendo Entertainment System game that nobody played. Uh, well, I I will tell you that there is a um. I know where at least one copy of the cartridge is. It's at my brother's house because it was mine, but he has them all. So not only, yeah. not only. No, no hard feelings there at all. No bitterness. Right. So Little Nemo Slumberland is one of these really old comic strips from like the 20s um, about a, a, a little boy who has adventures in Slumberland and they're magical. And it's great. Uh, it's Netflix. Jason Momoa is playing Flip, who's the, if you're going to compare this to Wizard of Oz type stuff, is the Glenda the Good Witch. Fun stuff. They gender bent Nemo, so it's a little girl. I, I, don't, I don't know. I just really loved uh, Slumberland, or Little Nemo in Slumberland as a kid, as far as the game goes. There's an animated movie that was okay. Um, so I'm excited to, to, to see this, to experience this. And um, the only other movie that I have any interest in at all is called Rosaline. Tell us about that. Who's that being directed by, created by? This is directed by Karen Maine, who you might recognize as a film director who uh, directed ob- or, uh, wrote Obvious Child and Yes, God, Yes. Uh, Rosaline, though is an adaptation of Romeo and Juliet through the eyes of Juliet's cousin, Rosaline, who happens to be Romeo's recent ex. Who is Juliet? She doesn't even go here. (laughs) Honestly, she dodged a bullet. Well, we'll we'll, we'll find out. We will find out. It's, um, but it's got Caitlin Deaver. Always a fan. It also has Bradley Whitford, Minnie Driver, and Kyle Allen. Like, like these are all great, great actors. I'm, I'm just looking forward to it. It'll be coming to um, Hulu in October, and I'm just very excited for it. It sounds like a very cute version of Romeo and Juliet. I always love updated versions of Shakespeare. Could be fun. Could be horrible. I don't know. We'll find out. Other than that... Everything else I'm looking forward to is the standard, typical stuff that everybody else is looking forward to. Right. I, I do want to go back really quickly. You you talked about Jason Momoa as a Glenda the Good Witch figure in the, uh, in the other movie. And I just, now all I can think about is what if they recast, let's just take Ariana Grande out of that role for Wicked and put Jason Momoa in there. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see that gravity get defied. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Uh, Enola Holmes too. That that'll be a fun fun romp. You, 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 you watched Enola Holmes with us. Sorry, right? yeah. starring Superman and Eleven. Yeah, yeah that's right. Um, it was a fun movie. I I mean, I'm excited for the second one. Right. Also, decision to leave. Park Chen Wook's murder mystery romance. I mean, that guy can just take my money. Like. Yeah. It wouldn't Will. matter what he was making next. <laughs> right. 
Then then you have White Noise, which is Noah Baumbach's uh, post-apocalyptic movie with Adam Driver, Greta Gerwig, and Don Cheadle. And that's all I need. Of course, Glass Onion, as Sam mentioned, uh, is going to be great. And yeah, there's, there's, there's so much fun. There's so much coming out this year. It's, it's going to be great. This year's going to be full of fun stuff, great stuff, stuff I love, stuff I'm going to love, and stuff that I will force myself to love even if I hate it. And don't worry, darling. <laughs> it gets its own category. All right. Let's talk dinosaurs. <laughs> yes. Dinosaurs. Dinosaurs. So uh, I finally got to Jurassic World Dominion. Thanks, Peacock, said no one ever. This is a movie trilogy I don't care about, but inertia is a powerful thing. (laughs) It's funny, like, you know, you think about little me going to the movie on uh, the first movie, the day it premiered. Having having read the book and finished it a couple days prior to the release date, just being so excited. My mom dropped me off. I mean, the movie wasn't as good as the book. I'm just going to tell you right now. But it was still pretty good, and I had a good time. And then, I mean, everything was downhill from there. So, I, you know, one great movie, five movies also. This one was better than people said it was, though. I was going to say, do you think this movie is bad? Well, okay. So listen. I, first of all, I love how the rise of, to Colin Trevorrow, to American legend and hero Colin Trevorrow. Like, I think future generations will refer to Colin Trevorrow the way they do Paul Bunyan and and you know, American folktale figures from before. Because, and here's why, Colin Trevorrow approached The Rise of Skywalker as a practice film for Jurassic World Dominion. (laughs) He said, he said, this will be a practice at how to close out a trilogy, which I'm going to do with Jurassic World. He said that probably with a straight face. And I got to tell you, I got to tell you, Colin Trevorrow has also said with a straight face that he believes in the continuity of a trilogy. (laughs) Never really bothered Jurassic Park people before. It, It hasn't. And I don't, it's, this is one of those things where it's like, has anyone ever really seen a chicken? Like. Do you know, does anybody know what continuity is? Because like, okay, listen, when did Claire become a badass? I'm not asking when Bryce Dallas Howard became a badass. I know when that happened. It's when she said, I'm the captain now to Star Wars. That's when that happened. It's, it's so, listen, I, Bryce Dallas Howard is, is everything. She went from being indistinguishable from... Uh, Jessica Chastain so much that I made a joke about that for years to being somebody like Opie Jr. is ruling this world and we just live in it. That's that's really all there is to it. But her character, Claire, was like the power suit 
heels wearer in the first movie of this trilogy, and now she's like a paratrooper? No. No. And and Owen's like hand thing. Oh, no. No. As several people have pointed out, that went from barely being devoured by a raptor he raised to anybody can deploy the hand. Anybody can tell a dinosaur to talk to the hand now. This is not continuity. I don't care how many people you bring in from the Jurassic World uh Jurassic Park movie. Even the minor characters. I don't kid that's not how you do continuity. The way you do continuity is actually doing continuity. By the way, I don't think anybody knows. Having said that, Colin Trevorrow's episode nine would have been awesome. Maybe not good, but it would have been awesome. Knowing the kind of movies that he makes and having, you know, knowing what the the script was, that would have been a great movie. Probably would have been better than this, but again, this wasn't bad. So you mentioned that the Jurassic <laughs> Park, there are Jurassic Park characters in this. We get to see the return of Alan Grant, Ellie, and Ian. What? Everyone's favorite thruple, Tessa. Everyone's favorite thruple. And they really I was come not going to shut you down one time and you didn't want to do it. I was going to let you have that thruple and you didn't even take it. Stop trying to make thruples happen. Oh, but I think there's evidence there are thruple in this film. There, anyway, there might be. What did you think about the inclusion of these characters? Thruples, uh, find a way. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, you had to. I, I think the Dr. Ian Malcolm inclusion from, I believe it was the previous movie, I have no use for. That was a gimmick. To actually see them as integral parts of this movie was fun. Uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, I feel like Sam Neill's New Zealand accent came through a little bit more, so I don't know at what point Grant became like 50% more Aussie, but he did. That's fine. And he really stopped caring. I know, right? Did the check clear? All right, let's do this. I I said to Tessa at some point, do you do you think do you think when Lauren Dern's running through the jungle shooting, she's yelling pew pew pew? <laughs> I liked their inclusion. I I don't know, like the holdo maneuver. I thought they were more interesting than the characters from the trilogy, this particular trilogy, like Owen and Claire. I mean, like Owen has no personality, and that is Chris Pratt's fault. But the the thing you have to understand about this series is that the first movie doesn't matter at all. Just just know all the stupid things they did in the first trilogy pretty much happened again. Now let's get to the cloning part. Let's get to using dinosaur cloning to make human cloning happen, right? That's actually the point of both Fallen Kingdom and Dominion and thus the whole trilogy, right? It's not about dinosaurs, which has been a lot of people's complaints. This is a movie called Jurassic World that is about so many things other than dinosaurs. And I mean, it's, it's how Ian Malcolm was able to survive book one when he clearly died in book one and then was brought back in right. book two. But nobody has a problem with that, but like there's a clone right in front of everybody, but we don't care about him. Um, I There's so much to talk about this movie, but nothing that's actually the movie to talk about. Like mm-hmm. I love the fact 
that this movie is the Star Wars Survivors Club with Trevorrow and Dern and Howard, right? It's like there must have been so much shit talking about J.J. Abrams and J.J. Abrams on this set. Like, I hope there was. I, I really think there was. I think that the cloning thing with, with Maisie slash Charlotte is, is actually way more interesting than the dinosaurs. But I don't care about the dinosaurs. So that doesn't bother me. I think, you know, like naming dinosaurs, you know, after Gigantosaurus, like this is stupid. Well, Gigantosaurus is a real dinosaur. It's still dumb. That doesn't change the fact that it's dumb. Gigant. I was about to say, that sounds made up, but you're right. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it is real, so uh, you, you, you just... Dumb. Napoleon was real, but he's dumb, too. Like, there are a lot of things in history that are dumb. Face is dumb. <laughs> Henry VIII was real. Dumb. Elizabeth II, a real character from history. Dumb. History, because she's dead now. Got it. Did you? Yeah. Are you sure you don't mean her Prince story? Charles III. <laughs> Not dead, but also dumb. You know who isn't dumb? Meghan Markle. We know you're a Meghan Markle fan. I, <laughs> I will say, there is one thing that, like, that's what this movie was. And by the way, we watched the extended version, which is available on Peacock and home video. But I would, from what I hear, the there's a prologue in this version that isn't in the theatrical version, which has to do with, like, we basically get a 2001 scene, right? Like, like, if you pan the camera over from the monolith in 2001, this is what's happening over there. We get an origin story for the mosquito. Yeah, there was. <laughs> you remember the mosquito from the first movie, Jurassic Park? The one that was buried in amber that started this whole thing? We see its origin story. <laughs> that this is, is a mumble fact. This is the most ridiculous and most expensive origin story but I loved for something it. that does not matter but for I a loved plot it. device but, but of all time here's the big problem with jurassic world dominion there is one problem and it's nothing that i've mentioned before none of those things are problems they're all solutions if you ask me blue blue is in this movie for less than five minutes i have problems with that i love blue blue is great blue is the best character in the whole movie Blue has an inner, a rich inner life. Blue loves Owen. Blue recognizes that Owen is her daddy. She might murder him, but she knows. Like, she, like, rake, like camps out in a bus near their compound and, like, bursts the child so she can be near her daddy just in case she needs to have him help her or... Use him for food? I don't know. I mean, but the point is, like, there is so much that I am interested there that we decided to ignore. Well, I can tell you why. And this is the new technical term coined by me. She was mommed. Like any female character who becomes a mother. Oh, that's like being fridged. I understand yeah, now. I get yeah, it. Yeah, like any female character that becomes a mother, she once she becomes a mom, that's all she is. So yes. we Although, can't do anything with that. She's just... 
What's the name of the kid? I don't even remember. It doesn't matter. She's just that kid's mom. Although, that does give rise to the single best quote in the entire movie. You made a promise to a dinosaur? <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. That was great. I enjoyed that. That, that pretty much justified Chris Pratt's existence. I Although nothing say, else did. I will say that Sam Neill and Laura Dern still have really good chemistry, which is also probably why I was invested in those characters. Yeah. Very, very much a romance between the, the two of them, this movie. And there really is a, a, a strong belief that after the events of this film, they're going to get their act together and finally execute the Holdo maneuver. I have to say that I also really, I, I thought this was an okay movie. It was not bad. It was not good. It was okay. And for what they had to do with what they had, fine but i did really like some of the horror set pieces of the film that was like the thing that stood out for me there's an underwater scene from the trailer where uh claire to get away from a dinosaur dives under like holds her breath underwater and the dinosaur can't see like it's using echolocation to find its prey and so you see the scene it's this great shot where the dinosaur is like its nose is right above the water and it's, you can see its teeth and stuff. And then the camera pans down and you can see clear, like right under the surface. And it's, it's a really, really good shot. This is a really well-filmed film. I should say. The other thing is, is that um, there, I've talked about this before a long time ago on this podcast, that there are certain things in films, like certain scenes where I get chills up and down my back for them. And like it's because like something happens that's genuinely surprising or genuinely like striking in some way. And this film has this moment where they're on it's it's the scene where Owen and Pilot are on the ice and they're being like charged by this dinosaur and you think like, oh, like the dinosaur is gonna fall. But then you see the dinosaur like dive underneath the ice and it's such a like unexpected moment. And it, Sam can say can verify this I definitely was like nope don't like that don't like that at all like it was a very interesting like oh I was not expecting this dinosaur to like actually swim like it was like that scene from Pacific Rim which is a much better movie where the uh the kaiju like suddenly has wings Mm. like it was very much like that kind of feeling now uh real real quick were any of these scenes better than the opening scene to Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, which is still probably amongst like the top horror movie scenes I've ever seen. You're gonna have to remind me what that is. T Rex in the dark with the lightning flashes as it's going through. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I have to give it. Trevorrow did Fallen Kingdom too, right? He's no. done all three. No, he, J. A. Who did Fallen did. Kingdom? Okay, I I have to say that despite. My problems with all three of these movies, they are very well shot. The horror sequences with the dinosaurs look really good in all three. The only reason you should not watch this movie is if you hate Joy. And I Everybody haven't seen else this movie yet. Huh. I, I, I'm just saying, if you, if you hate Joy, skip it. Otherwise, you know, just know you're going to lose about three hours of your day and... Are you going to get bent out of shape about the fact that it's not a great movie, or are you going to enjoy the the neat dinosaur stuff? Okay. Oh, wait, except there's not a lot of, sorry, the neat locust stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. 
So good times. So let's talk about the after party. Which neither Sam and I have seen, so I'm very excited to hear your rundown of it, Andy. The after party is such a joy. How do both of you feel about Lord and Miller? Uh, I have to remember who that is. Oh, you have to remember who Lord and Miller are. Okay. Well, hold on. Uh, Sam might be able to tell you who Lord and Miller are. Sam, do you remember who oh, Lord Lego and Miller... Oh, Lego movie. Well, not just the Lego movie. Uh, aren't they responsible for Last Man on Earth? Yes. Yes, they are responsible for... Uh, so also, they, they of course, share the connection to uh, the last film we talked about, Jurassic World, because Opie Sr. Mm-hmm. took over for them when they were fired from Solo, mm-hmm. which we will be discussing in December on the 11 or 12, who knows, Days of Star Wars. So... So just a few other things to demonstrate how um, Lord and Miller, I don't think they can fail. They are also responsible for Clone High, the new Jump Street movies. They directed both 21 and 22 Jump Street, which were amazing films. They direct, or they did not direct, but they wrote and oversaw uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and are responsible in the same roles for Beyond Spider-Verse and Across the Spider-Verse. So, that's going to be great. Uh, yeah, again, the the Lego movie, they directed that. They directed the first Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Like, as, as comedic duos go, they hit everything out of the park. So, when it was announced that they were going to be doing a murder mystery TV series, I was invested immediately. And this, the after party is their murder mystery TV series. So what I need to say is this clearly got greenlit because knives out was such a success. Hey, if more things like knives out get greenlit because of knives out, exactly. I'm here for it. Exactly. Like knives out, give all of it to me. Knives out wins. We all win. Right. Yes, exactly. So, uh, this movie, or this uh, TV series, only eight episodes long, uh, stars Dave Franco as the corpse. So Dave Franco's character is uh, Xavier, who's a um, Justin Bieber type pop star, and a class reunion from 2006. Ew. So 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 no. Do do the math on which. On which year that is, because 2021, 2006, 15 year high school reunion. Said Andy to a co-host whose 25th anniversary was, hold on, this year? Okay, Hmm. but let's... Let's review the cast of who's expected to be uh, at this, okay? You have Ben Schwartz, Ike Barinholtz, Sam Richardson, again, Dave Franco. These are all supposed to be people who are two years older than me. All right. Anyway, this uh, this high school reunion goes. There's some 
some some drama, some issues. Sam Richardson's the main character named Anik, who is hoping to finally uh, get get with his uh, high school crush Zoe, played by Zoe Chow. Then they go to an after party where Dave Franco is killed and. Tiffany Haddish is playing the police officer who's going in and interviewing everybody. And every episode is a different genre because it's a different person's story and their take on what happens. And that's right. It's a real Rashomon situation, which the show makes very clear. So it's like the same night from different perspectives. Right. I love that. Right. That sounds awesome. And, and it is, oh, it is such a clever thing because... Sam Richardson, who's from Werewolves Within and I Think You Should Leave and Detroiters, is just the the most positive, optimistic person. So his version of That Night's Events are a romantic comedy. And the they even get down the lighting for romantic comedies, like everything, the music. So they go through, he's the main suspect to who killed um, Justin Bieber slash Dave Franco. You have Ben Schwartz, Sonic the Hedgehog himself, who plays Anik's best friend, Jasper, who in high school, he was in a ska band called Ska Diem, which, you know, they were a ska band against racism. <laughs> Somebody should. Yes. Yes. Uh, you have Ike Barinholtz, who plays Brett, who is the, the jock bad boy. Uh, action guy you have Ileana Glazer who plays the uh class president who has uh had mental issues and her episode is a psychological thriller um Ben Schwartz's episode also is a musical which oh man there are some some bangers there it's it's so beautiful it's so interwoven and it does the one thing that okay these types of, you know, different perspective stories, when they're brought to comedy, they do something weird. And that is, and, and uh, I'm thinking specifically of the psych episode, right? Because you know these characters, you, you know how they blow up certain aspects of themselves uh, and, and denigrate the other people. Like, I'm thinking of the psych episode where, uh, you know, he's talking and Gus is just the dumbest person because in Sean's story, he's got everything right, etc. Well, this actually seems like they're telling uh, the same story. It is very clever in how it's written and how everyone else, the only thing that really changes about the characters is the person who's telling the story. Everyone else, though, is the same character. It is very well done and you can figure out who did it by paying very close attention to some key details i always like that i like even if i don't figure it out i like knowing that it's something i could figure out right that does that make sense yes. at all like i don't like murder mysteries where it's like you could have never possibly known because a key detail was withheld you know like that to me that feels like cheating right and then um we we are also given through this beautiful uh multi-perspective amazing series we have been given a second season with a 
mostly different cast. And Tiffany Haddish plays an amazing detective. Also, uh, John Early is her underling slash partner. And you might know John Early from Search Party as the, the breakout star of Search Party. Uh, as the, the, the gay drama queen in Search Party. He's, he's beautiful, wonderful. But the second season, this cast is already blowing my mind. All right, this cast second season. You have Ken Jeong from Community. Hold on. You have of course Tiffany Haddish and Anik again. So Tiffany Haddish and Sam Richardson. You have Paul Walter Hauser. You have Zach Woods. You have um oh I White Jack Whitehall, and of course, John Joe. Oh, John Joe! Yes, always, always good. I'm, I'm excited to just see where this can go. But really, honestly, if you like murder mysteries, if you like the fact that these are half hour episodes, that's the other thing, right? It's on Apple TV. You have the first episode's forty minutes, but after that, they're all half hour episodes. There's a great animated episode like it's beautiful and funny. And of course, um, shockingly uh, poignant, I should say. Who would you recommend this to? If you like Knives Out, watch this. If you liked anything that Lord Miller have done, watch this. If you liked Last Man on Earth, which, yes, was a rough first season, but there is a point to that first season. Watch this. If you like Spider-Verse, if you like Lego Movie, if you like the Jump Streets, watch this. It's great. I love this. Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. I love uh, that movie. Yes. Also great. Like, There's a leak in the boat. I can't <laughs> stop laughing about there's a leak in the boat. <laughs> they have a very unique sense of humor, but it's one that it works. It works. Yes. Yes. Uh, exactly. So, so you would say that Everything is, in fact, awesome about this show. Yes, everything is, in <laughs> fact, awesome. And and the best part is when they do the episode that reveals how everyone was in high school, they all play themselves, which I always love that feeling. But the, the thing is, they don't play themselves like Wet Hot American Summers 10 years before, where part of the joke is these people look ridiculous. They actually seriously go through the effort to make them look 15 years younger. And and it kind of, for the most part, works. Sorry, Ike Barinholtz's six six foot three frame is just too old to to believably play a high schooler. But everyone else, absolutely great. So watch this, the after party. Uh, awesome. Sure. Uh, join us next week when we cover the things that some well-meaning, lovely friend recommended to you in the t a time of your life where you were feeling down and instead of doing what they said which my life would have been so much better if i had to listen to some advice you avoided this and ditched it and didn't watch it so we're going to be talking emotional stuff we'll do that where can people find you tessa you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Suela Tessa. Suela is spelled S-W-E-H-L-A. 
You can also find me on my other podcast, Nanny Og's Book Club, where my friend Nigel and I are reading through all 41 of Terry Pratchett's Discworld novels. You can find that on Twitter at Nanny's Book Club. Sam, comma, PhD, where can people find you? You can find me online at Sam underscore Morris 9 on the Twitter. The Twitter. <laughs> Not Twitter. The Twitter. Okay. Well, you can find me. The reverse Facebook. You can find me on Twitter at Andy Noted. You can send us your thoughts about the monkeys we talked about today. Like, did you like dinosaurs? Did you uh, figure out who did it in the after party? Because I didn't. Did you know, let me know. Let me know what you think, what pop culture you've crossed off your list lately, what you'd like for us to talk about in future episodes, and of course, anything else that comes in mind. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at monkeybacklog. Email us at monkeyoffmybacklog at gmail.com. Please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Follow us on Stitcher, Amazon Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. So get that monkey off your back. Log.